helping pharmacists grow themselves, their business, and driving outcomes. This is Pharmacy Now. We are excited to be here for episode six of the Pharmacy Now podcast. Have a special guest today, but as always, uh, when we start these episodes off, want to we'll give a special shout out and thanks to the uh, first responders, the men and women, uh, not just in law enforcement, but uh, of course in healthcare, who are doing their very very best every single day uh, to help combat. Uh, COVID-19 and keeping us all very healthy and happy um, and just a, a warm, warm uh, thank you uh, from us here at the Pharmacy Now podcast for all of their efforts. So excited about episode number six, a little bit of a continuation on the same topic uh, of COVID. We've had a few episodes that have covered this, uh, kind of pars- breaking it down into various segments. Uh, we are joined by a very special guest today, a longtime friend of the Pharmacy Now podcast staff, uh, and very excited to have him on, Dr. Jonathan Marquis. Dr. Marquis, how are you? Great, Scott. Thank you for having me today. Hope you're well. Perfect. Um, let's uh, dive into it. Uh, COVID-19, we've had several different episodes on this, and um, uh, really wanted to start off that uh, you were chosen um, by McKesson, who is your wholesaler, um, and we can kind of explain that process if that makes sense, but you were chosen, a few of your stores were chosen to, provo- to provide COVID-19 testing um, uh, to patients there in those areas where those two pharmacies were. So I'm going to just stop right there. What, t- tell me how this all started. Well, Scott, like you're such a good interviewer and you ask such good questions. I guess I have to give it a little bit of um, context because I think a lot of people are going to be asked that question very soon. And, you know, back in January and February, it seems like, gosh, two years ago, but back in January and February, my pharmacies were doing quite well, Scott. We were focused on our goals. We were trying to do everything we could, uh, you know, you know, outside of PBM control and I even thought about where I was going to do this interview. And a lot of times I do these type of interviews right in my pharmacy because I think that's important. But today I'm actually in my business office upstairs because I think this is really a business discussion today because I believe we need to hit the reset button, Scott, and get back to focusing on our business's bottom line and our patient's health. And that's what I think leads to your question. McKesson did ask me, HealthMart actually, HealthMart asked me uh, to to do some COVID testing. And, you know, we had to scratch our head a little bit and do a little research. But even from five seconds into the question, we said yes. We didn't tell them yes right up front. But I said, yes, this is a great opportunity for independent pharmacy. I think they had picked, uh, you know, a dozen or more throughout the country uh, to do this. But we did our research. We did our homework. And we ultimately came down to, Scott, this was the right thing for our pharmacy. This was the right thing for our community, more importantly, uh, and even for me personally. Yeah, well, and I know you and I have talked about uh, the project a couple different times. And, um, you know, I completely uh, 
understand why your stores were picked. Uh, you have such a huge presence down there with all your locations in in, in the Atlanta area. So kind of if you could dive in a little bit to the results that you generated um, with these two locations and what was the kind of the initial goal and where did you all end up just as it relates to this particular project with the COVID-19 testing? Um, you're right. Pam is a pharmacist and Pam was given, uh, they chose two locations and we selected Pam uh, ran our East Marietta uh, COVID testing. That was our first drugstore that I purchased back in 1993. Very vibrant uh, community, very big uh, community. Over a half million people live in, in just the city of Marietta. Um, very affluent area, but obviously in a, in a city that size, you have all, all um, uh, takers. Uh, the pharmacy I was at, believe it or not, was on a very busy intersection across from a hospital uh, but but very low end um, economically of many of our patients. So it was interesting. We said, how will this go over? Now, the tests were free, um, but but they selected two sites which were drastically different. And I don't know if they did that on purpose, which I imagine they did, uh, or if they just threw it uh, out of a hat. I know in Atlanta, certainly that was a smart move. Uh, and, and we certainly tried to hit it out of the park. We had a competition. As you can imagine, I'm very competitive, but I have to let you know, Pam won. We did about 900 tests, but yeah, it was exciting and fun, and uh, I know you'll have more questions. Yeah, so the the total number of, just an estimate on the total number of tests that were completed at two sites? Roughly about 900. Um, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, 900 tests. We did it over a span of three weeks. Um and this is probably what some of the audience today is wanting to know. You know, we had certain times, there's positives of that and negatives. Uh, we did it roughly 10 to 2. Now, we got out there probably 8.30 or so, setting up, getting ready, uh, and then sort of cut it off at 2. But I say that there were three or four days where we had it wrapped around the parking lot with cars. Um, my parking lot wasn't as big. Um, so there brought some challenges on with that. Pam had a huge uh, parking lot, which which made it nice and more convenient uh, for that aspect. So what was the checklist like in preparation to be able to, was it, in my mind, and you know, I'm not a pharmacist, as I always tell the listeners, and I don't own a pharmacy. So um, was, was that checklist pretty uh, pretty expand in terms of the size that you had to go through in order to set yourself up there in the front or outside of the pharmacy to provide these testings. Like, what what did that look like? We've talked to Steve Hofford a couple months ago, and he just ran down um, a list that he goes through every single day just to open the pharmacy during this time period, and it was extensive. Let alone he was not providing testing. So to have testing going on outside of the pharmacy there in the parking lot. Was that extensive or was it not as not as extensive as I might think? That's an interesting question, Scott. You know, my dad taught me many, many years ago. It wasn't a quote from him, but I still remember this quote in just about everything I do. If you fail to plan, you better plan to fail. And I have to give Health Mart a lot of credit on this because obviously we knew how to open up the pharmacy. We know how to get our staff ready. Uh, you know, we know how to put on... Uh, the PPE, uh, but I do have to give McKesson credit uh, of of good signage, good printouts. Uh, I'm going to tell you all the positives now, and I'm sure you'll maybe ask some challenges later. Um, 
You know, it was pretty extensive, Scott, but it wasn't as extensive as you think. It's basically uh, get set up. Um, one of the challenges are, you know, even though this was in May, uh, it got up to 90 degrees one day. It was actually the second day we did testing. Uh, the first day went off beautifully uh, without a hitch. We had five or six stations. I had my technicians. I had a couple of students, even a couple of pharmacists, uh, because we wanted to be ready. That was the main thing is we didn't want to get overwhelmed because we had seen things on TV. Uh, you never knew, was one person going to show up or a thousand? I think the first day we did about 25. But one thing I found out on that second day, um, it came 90 degrees we set up one of our red uh, sort of tents. And it's amazing how a red tent in the middle of a parking lot, that garnishes some excitement, that garnishes some attention. So our second day was even bigger, but boy, was it hot. So some of the things that we didn't necessarily plan, you know about how to get your staff ready, you know about the PPE, you know the forms you got to fill out, you, you teach the patient how to do the nasal swab. We didn't think about the staff's going to get really thirsty and I ought to have a cooler full of water out here. And who's going to take breaks when and how are we going to do all that? So there was a lot of things we knew, Scott, but there's a lot of things we learned as well. Sounds like it, um, Jonathan. And I can't even imagine, um, you know, and, and because you've got these pharmacies there, you have two that are selected. You know, it's uh, already challenging enough to own any business, um, right? Whether it's a pharmacy or any any sort of retail uh, operation that you got to open it up every day and get the staff ready and, um, you know, get the systems up and running. And uh, in pharmacies, there's a whole checklist of things to go through. And then you put yourself in a global pandemic. And what does that look like when you're closing the front end of the store? And now all of a sudden you're out in the front providing testing supplies to patients and it drives up. So, Congratulations, first of all, to you and, and your staff for doing an incredible job for two locations. Um, it sounds like, as you mentioned, Pam won uh, in terms of the number of tests. Not surprising. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. So, and, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. Um, so, congratulations, and and I'm I'm glad to hear that everyone's the staff, everyone's healthy and happy, and everyone's doing well. Yes. You know, it's an interesting part. That was some of the fear. Uh, going in. But again, I have to give a little kudos to HealthMart. This was really what I call a a drive-up testing. Uh, you know, obviously we were garbed up, gloves, masks, even shields, face shields sometimes. Basically, there was no patient contact. They would roll their window down about three inches. Uh, we would talk to the patient through that three inches, hand them the testing material. They actually did the swab themselves. I've seen various different types of tests uh, in the news. Um, but that was the the great thing about it. And the reason that I sort of gave the final checkoff, Scott, to work with this company is that there really wasn't any hand-to-hand -hand contact. There wasn't any physical contact. We definitely had uh, social distancing. They were in their car. We were standing outside of the car. The other major reason I signed on is we did not know their results. And I'm really glad looking back, I'm glad I made that decision. This was handled by a lab corporation in California, and they did all the they did all the lab work, and they did all the reporting to the patient. The reporting did not come back to the pharmacy. Okay, so that that was going to be my next question: was do you know the results from the 900 tests? And you do not. And you were Jonathan saying that that's that's actually a good thing. Yeah, I do, uh, Scott. I sure do. And and you know it's interesting how. Most of the people that showed up during this three-week period in May 
um, was um, I work at a local business, many times a restaurant, many times a younger, uh, probably 20 to 40 years of age. Um, and they would say things like, man, I'm so glad you all are here. Uh, I need this COVID test uh, to, to come back to work. I need a negative test to get back to work. So uh, in, in my opinion, we, we screened a lot of people that were negative, but the reason I gave that final checkoff and liability was that we didn't know if they were positive or negative uh, after the three-day uh, result period. Well, so interesting. Um, so now looking forward, Jonathan, you, you had these three weeks. It sounds like it was very successful uh, based on the numbers. And um, you guys put a ton of effort into that and providing uh, such, a, such a needed, um, you know, outlet, I think, for patients to be able to go to get tested, uh, you know, with the pressure on the overall healthcare system of where do I go to get tested? Do I want to go to the ER? Do I go to my physician? So to have a pharmacy, to have pharmacies um, given the ability uh, and, and the authority to provide this testing uh, is fantastic. And I think uh, is hopefully going to help push things forward for pharmacy as a whole as it relates to other clinical initiatives. But that's kind of my transition, Jonathan, into, that ne into the next question. What do you think this does um, these types of projects getting involved in clinical testing like COVID-19, obviously most pharmacies, 80 plus percent of pharmacies, according to NCPA are already offering immunizations, uh, uh, you know, across the board. What does this do in your mind for kind of the future of pharmacy and pushing things forward, um, at a little, at a little faster rate? Well, Scott, a couple of things come to mind and I appreciate the question. I, I definitely think pharmacists are underutilized. They're highly trained. You know, most people listening to this uh, presentation uh, have got a pharmacy degree. Many people are doctors uh, of pharmacy. So uh, the entire U.S. population, according to an article, uh, uh, the, the entire U.S. population walk through a pharmacy every week. So I know pharmacists are very easily accessible. They're highly trained and very knowledgeable. So I see this as a very exciting um, sort of push out to the forward. Sometimes you have to be pushed a little bit. Uh, I don't. I know I support pharmacists being providers, and I work very hard on that at the local legislature and within CPA at the National um, Congress. Uh, even though I don't think that means we can't do this or that without being a provider, I just think we need to be providers uh, because there's a lot of things that, that can open up to help patients with their um, health. Now, it's interesting. These people I did testing for, Scott, many of them pulled up, and they probably don't have too many chronic disease states. But even though we've spent hundreds and thousands of dollars in local marketing, I got uh, Gabe Trahan down and talked to me about signage, and we put up new signs. Quite a few people pulled up to get the testing, and I would introduce myself as owner and pharmacist of Physicians Pharmacy, and they'd say, wow, this is great. I didn't know a pharmacy was right here. Um, they, they know about the Chick-fil-A right next door to me because it's one of the busiest Chick-fil-A in the county, but they didn't know about me. So again, that was the learning. One of the learning things for me is that we still have to do marketing. We still have to build our brand, whether it's online or sort of what I say, the blocking and tackling of actually going out and marketing our services. But the positive thing is a lot of people would say, oh, yeah, I'm very familiar with pharmacists. I get my flu shot from my pharmacist. I get my blood pressure taken with my pharmacist. I get my prescriptions 
filled from my pharmacist. And what we tried to engage in, uh, certainly I did, is the marketing aspect of testing is, you know, do you know your pharmacist's name? Do you have a relationship with a pharmacist? And unfortunately, many people had said, no, uh, they didn't uh, have a relationship with a pharmacist. They went into a pharmacy, but didn't have an individual relationship. So I think there's exciting times ahead for independent pharmacists there. Jonathan, I appreciate that, um, you know, answer to that question. Very informative. So you just kind of bell went off in my head when you talk about marketing opportunities. And so I'd love to know of the 900 tests that you provided, obviously you were able to capture some of that patient data. You're not getting the results back, which we, we went through and your thought process behind that, but you're capturing that, that patient information uh, initially to provide that test. Do you know what percentage of those 900 were previous patients uh, to your pharmacies versus, versus not? Don't know the exact percentage, Scott. I would say it was roughly about 15% uh, because this is the part that I have to give my staff kudos for. You know, they didn't quite understand what this all meant, and they actually were scared. I'll be honest with you, the first few days because, you know, they thought we might even do some testing inside the pharmacy, but this was actually uh, about 30, 40 yards in the back of the pharmacy in the back parking lot. But what I was more excited about is the 15% of patients that were already ours was a week later, two weeks later. Even last week, I had a patient said, I met you in the screening out back. Here's three prescriptions. Or I had a patient come in and say, you mentioned some vitamins that I ought to take or some zinc out there in the parking lot. I'm here to get those. So it was a low, low percentage, uh, Scott, when local employers found out we were doing it. A lot of local employers sent their uh, staff over, which I didn't mind at all. They weren't customers of ours, but I looked at it as how could we build them as new customers. And what I think is exciting, too, for the independent pharmacists listening in is that they want us to come back in the fall and provide immunizations. Yeah, absolutely. So, Jonathan, as the true entrepreneur that you are, you're looking at this also as an opportunity to gain new patients. And that's kind of, of course, where I was leading with that question is to say, is there an opportunity um, to pick up? Because you're providing that personalized um, service and experience for the patient. They're pulling up. They, they don't know your pharmacy. As you mentioned, they didn't realize there was a pharmacy down, you know, right next to the Chick-fil-A. Um, they get to meet you as the owner and operator and, and how kind and caring and compassionate you are to be out there in 90 degree heat, uh, providing these tests, uh, to, to patients. And so a, a huge opportunity, um, to, uh, you know, to transition or to, to roll out of those, um, folks into, uh, hopefully long-term patients. So antibody test, hot topic. We've heard several varying opinions across the board. Um, you know, that these antibody tests that are out there, Jonathan, some of them are reliable, some of them are not. Um, and not that I, I know none of us are really the expert at this point in the different, you know, the, the number of companies out there that are distributing these antibody tests. Some of them require a full blood draw and et cetera. But as we look forward with COVID-19, as we're waiting for the immunization, which we'll talk about that next, what are, what are just your current thoughts on the antibody test? Um, 
is it something that you as an, as an owner and operator, uh, you know, 10 plus pharmacies, is it something that you're interested in providing? Are you going to provide that? Is that truly an opportunity for the other 22,000 independent pharmacies in the marketplace today uh, to provide that additional care for patients and service? And also it's a revenue driver potentially. Just want to dive into that for a minute, Jonathan, give me your, your thoughts. Yeah, appreciate it, Scott. And I think the easy answer is yes. And, you know, always the devil's in the details. We are definitely going to um, offer antibody testing. And I know we're about to talk about immunizations. But in my opinion, folks, this fall could be the biggest and brightest immunization season you've ever had. Think about it. You could be providing antibody tests. You could be providing COVID tests. You could be providing flu shots. You could be giving a COVID immunization, pneumonia, shingles. The list goes on and on and on. But I've already been approached, and again, back to the COVID testing, I've already been approached by a local school that told me they are going to require antibody testing of their teachers, and would I be able to do that? And we don't have time to get into all the laws, but in Georgia, uh, from what I've read, and I've had a couple of students do research for me, for us to provide a test, there has to be a UA, UA um, approval. Um, and to date, we haven't found one of those tests. We would like it to be a finger stick, and we would like it to be a CLIA waived uh, test, which again leads to what can your members and audience and customers do? I personally believe it's a no-brainer. About half of my pharmacies have a CLIA waiver. We're going to apply for the other half. Uh, because I think there's more than just antibody testing uh, that, that in the future uh, brings and, and develops for us with having a CLIA waiver. But yes, Scott, we are definitely going to be offering antibody tests at the pharmacy. We're just waiting to one that is good for us and ready for prime time that we can feel comfortable for and knowledgeable about when it's ready. Love it, Jan uh, Jonathan. Thank you again for that. Uh one for the lay person out there, um, the CLIA waiver. Can you kind of just give us the overview of what that is, and is that something that's challenging for a pharmacy to obtain? Thank you, Scott. It's not challenging, but it's the Clinical Laboratory Improvement Act. That's where the CLIA comes from. You would need to work with your state uh, organization of CLIA. It costs about a hundred to two hundred dollars a year, uh, or I think it's every two years now. So there's a little bit of expense involved, but that is for us to be, a, in, a, in a sense, quote unquote here, I got the air quotes going on, for us to become a clinical laboratory, which I personally think we're a great place to be a clinical laboratory, um, they're, they're, the tests, Scott, are broken down to wave test, moderate complexity, high complexity. In my opinion, I really want to focus on CLIA wave test right now. There are some that would argue, and I wouldn't necessarily disagree, that we could probably do uh, some more intense testing uh, if you wanted to and if you had some training. But right now, uh, my focus, Scott, is on our CLIA wave test uh, like an antibody test for COVID. Great. Thank you for that, um, because I needed some clarity on that as well. <laughs> I'll blame it on the listeners. I also needed some clarity there. So yes, thank you, John. Hey, no problem. No so problem. immunizations, you just mentioned it a couple of minutes ago, a few moments ago, that it has the potential to be the largest, in, in, in your words, I think, brightest immunization season um, ever for pharmacy. Um, you've got the COVID immunization out there on the horizon. Obviously, you mentioned, right, uh, your regular flu season, the antibody test. 
is there, you mentioned earlier, and I loved it, uh, your father told you years ago, um, you have to, you have to have a plan in place or you might as well plan to fail. So what are you doing specifically, if we could bullet point or, you know, give as much in-depth explanation as you want, what are you doing, Jonathan, for your pharmacies, out some of the things you just mentioned, to really, truly prepare to make sure that you're going to be able to execute uh, at a high level and take advantage of as much of that opportunity that presents itself within those individual patient populations at your locations uh, for, for uh, that opportunity, Jonathan? Well, Scott, I, I tell you, it is true. I think you have to plan. Matter of fact, two days from now, as we record this, is July 1. And believe it or not, July 1 is when we start talking about it to our to our pharmacy staff and to our external group. Uh, one of the things we're already doing, we've already ordered our vaccine. And um, obviously, we haven't ordered a COVID vaccine, but a lot of our flu uh, we have ordered. You don't usually have to order pneumonia or shingles. Um, or meningococcal earlier, but we've already placed our order for flu. And usually each year I challenge our staff. Uh, I challenge them to say, uh, you know, if you did 100, go up 10%, 10 to 15%. Uh, that's what I challenge each of our pharmacists to do. So we've already ordered our vaccines. We're going to start on Wednesday printing up our documentation because if you do quite a bit of this, even a little bit of this, you have to have good documentation. And I learned many years ago. Uh, you know, we, we have clipboards, we have signage, we have uh, forms that our patients fill out, we have the vaccine information statement. And if you wait till October 1 to start doing this, it can be quite daunting on you, it can be quite daunting on your staff. Uh, but I tell you, Scott, if, if you look at just the field of immunizations, I mean, you can talk about almost anything in pharmacy, and what gets me excited, you know, Get involved in MTM, get involved in CBD, boost your deliveries, do more DME, compounding. But to me, if we could put one thing on showing the clinical aspect of pharmacists, it's immunizations. I love it. Matter of fact, two weeks ago, I did a training and taught some 30 new pharmacists of, of more about the immunology side of it, but also how to build your business and how to actively give the shots. So I'm excited about it, Scott. Awesome, Jonathan. I love it. I love it. Um, yeah, huge opportunity on the horizon, as you mentioned, um, especially during a time. And and you know, you're no stranger to hearing all of this as uh, you work with the legislator. Um, you know, as it, in regards to DIR fees and the squeezing of margins on the dispensing side of the business, and that immunization has uh, you know has been something that pharmacy has now been involved in for quite some time, um, and probably you know, according to some of the data that we have don't necessarily always take advantage uh, of that opportunity that resides within their patient population because it's not something that they still, a lot of pharmacies haven't incorporated into their workflow to, you know, during that time to first of all, be prepared for it as you are and as you're talking about a game plan, but then also incorporate it into their talk tracks to say, hey, have you had a flu shot this year? And really maximizing um, and capitalizing on that opportunity. So no, never, there's never been a better time than now. If you're a pharmacy owner and operator, you're listening to this podcast to say, I've got to get myself prepared and ready uh, for this year. And, and really, as you just mentioned, July one, uh, here in just a few days, got to get started now, uh, because it will be very daunting if I try to, uh, it'll be organized chaos at, at best if I wait until October one. So, uh, hear you loud and clear there. Have a question here in front of me. We discussed this a little bit, and I know it's you know I I 
I have, as you know, and knowing you for seven years, have the uh, so much respect for you, Dr. Marquis, and your experience in, in running so many successful, uh, successfully running so many uh, different pharmacies. Again, your owner and operator uh, with your wife, Pam, of 10 different pharmacies. Um, but sometimes I think I may look at you as the oracle of independent pharmacy, and I know that you may not be able to uh, predict exactly what's going to happen, um, but as it relates to the flu shot and that opportunity, Jonathan, as we approach that season, and again, you're already gearing up for it, do you anticipate a dip potentially in flu shots because of the anticipation of the COVID-19 immunization and how that obviously with the news and the media is at the forefront of everything. It's, you know, every, that's the number one concern. We're all wearing masks when we go to the grocery store. This has been going on lockdown for four months going on. But um, what are your thoughts around that, Jonathan? Is it, do you think it's going to have an impact on uh, the dispensing of flu shots this year? Well, Scott, you know I'm a storyteller, and I love stories, yes. and I love reading, and I love watching uh, great, great films, and I love hanging out with you, most importantly. Well, <laughs> I, I take a look at, Scott, um, I don't know if you remember, Scott, where you were about this time, uh, a little bit back, but back in 2017, February of 2017, there was a little Super Bowl going on. And um, the Atlanta Falcons were playing the Patriots. And I don't know if you remember this guy, because I know you're a huge fan, but... I do. I do remember. The Falcons were the Falcons were up. The Falcons were up. We were partying in the street, Scott, at my house. Yes. High-fiving. It was 28 to 3. The Falcons were up. And I'll, I'll, I'll fast forward this. We lost the game. We lost the game. We did not score any more points in the second half. Well, folks... It's July 1. It's the second half of 2020. Let's not do what the Falcons did uh, in, in 2017. Let's get focused now. Let's start working on a plan uh, for the fall. But no, Scott, to answer your question, I don't think there will be a dip because one of the most important things we'll have to do is distinguish between does the person have influenza or do they have COVID? So that's why, you know, somewhere in the um, August, September timeframe, we will start actively giving flu shots. I think some of our competitors start too early, and I don't think that's good. But somewhere between August, September, we'll start giving influenza or flu shots because we won't have the COVID vaccine until what I'm reading till December, maybe January, um, maybe even later. So Everybody needs to get a flu shot this year. Anybody over six months of age, it's FDA indicated that you get an influenza shot. Um, so, you know, we're going to start talking about it. We will definitely want to uh, make sure if a person does get sick in the fall or when the COVID vaccine does come available, it, is it influenza or is it COVID? So I definitely do not think there will be a dip. I personally feel this is going to be our biggest year personally, and I hope it's your biggest year if you're listening into this podcast. Do you think, let me ask one more question, um, a follow-up to that. Do you think it's going to require a little bit more perhaps than in-depth, and I'm just speaking from my, I always try to do my best to put myself in the shoes of you, the owner, or you know, the patient or staff member to try to see things from their perspective. And I'm just imagining um, myself 
you know, at the pharmacy is one of your staff members. And I, and I help, I'm one of your pharmacists and I help provide, I, I'm the immunization guy for the day. Wednesday's my day and, I, and I'm in there to give immunizations. Is it going to take a little bit more in-depth conversation around those opportunities with patients to say, I know you really are, are anticipating the arrival of the COVID immunization, um, but is, it's just as important to get your flu immunization. And I only ask this because I really genuinely believe as, as a consumer myself and, and imagining, again, now being the patient walking in, that I think there's a real sense out there in the general public that, yeah, the flu, I'd get sick, but I'd be okay, but COVID could kill me. And we know that both can kill you. I mean, depending on the individual, we don't need to get into all that. But do you think it's going to require, maybe I'm crazy and tell me if I am, is it going to require some additional conversation for many of those patients that really have that perception uh, you know, this year in particular, as we're waiting for the arrival of that COVID immunization. Well, thanks, Scott. Let's be clear. Let's make sure the audience know, no, you are not crazy. But I do feel this year is going to take a little extra. It's going to take a little extra time. It's going to take a little extra patience. It's going to take a little bit more time to explain. But if you think about it, and if you look at the numbers, a lot of people die from influenza every year. And especially our patients that are high risk, the chronic disease states. And again, we can go to our computer and we can pull out some of these and some softwares will let us, you know, print this information out. So I, I do think there'll be a little education, but I hope that we'll spend the extra time and I hope our staff will say, you know, we have a great influenza vaccine available now. You ought to get it so you can stay healthy and be ready when the COVID vaccine does become available. Yeah, I like, thank you for that feedback. Um, and uh, any any other thoughts before we transition out of the? Um, I know the the immunization piece here is is so big. And again, I really appreciate all of your fantastic uh, information and feedback on that, Jonathan. But any any additional things we've left out there before we kind of move along? Well, I think it goes back to the question, and you may be getting to some of this in a minute. But I think this is where Scott, you and your team, could maybe help us. Uh, help us to massage a message to our patients. And maybe we send out as early as possible to start, you know, I'm just making this up now. Start thinking about a flu shot now. You know, please come talk to us with questions. Uh, I, I would like to see maybe you and your team help us with that type of message and we get the profession involved uh, as well. But I, I do think it's going to be a big year. I do think it's going to be an important year. And certainly, I think all of us uh, are looking to um, not get people sick, and it's terrible for those that did, but we certainly want to push this COVID uh, into our past. Love it. Thank you for that, Jonathan. So to transition out of the COVID discussion for a moment, immunizations, et cetera, and just fantastic information there uh, from Dr. Marquis. As the owner and operator, Jonathan, of 10 pharmacies, you mentioned this um, in, a, in a side conversation that you and I had. In looking back into your businesses kind of post-pandemic, even though we're still in the midst of this thing, and, and you said, you know, I've still got to think about how to run my business day to day. I've, I've got to focus on where we were before uh, COVID-19 with 
you know, looking into PBMs and their influences and, and looking into being more profitable on the front end of my business. I know you mentioned some things to me around having your, your front end closed, just like every pharmacy definitely had an impact on your bottom line as it would relate to OCT products, et cetera. What are you or where is your mind at as an owner operator, somebody out there running small businesses now having gone through this pandemic Having them, uh, I think most of your pharmacies front ends closed down, you're reopening those or you've already reopened them in the last few weeks. Where is your mind at now in some of just the things that you could share with the other um, independent pharmacy owners that are listening to this to say, here's what I'm focused on outside of the immunization opportunity, but here's what I'm focused on to make sure that my business, my pharmacy is on track uh, to where it was pre-COVID. Well, thank you, Scott. That's a big one. Um, I've made a few notes here. I look back on March 14th, and I said to our staff, as you know, a week ago, Monday, Pam and I put together a three-point plan together for our team. So we've been talking, Scott, about cleaning and following CDC guidelines, practicing social distancing. We shut down our pharmacies. We never closed, but we decreased our hours, and we um, closed our lobbies that's the negative side. But in my opinion, Scott, we must get back on track and focus our pharmacies on thriving. Notice I said thriving and not just surviving. We've got to get back to the things we were doing uh, back in January, which was, as you said, promoting sync. We're going to continue to still promote our delivery. Our deliveries have have, uh, picked up. Um, But I have to say, I think this is the time that we can say, hey, we learned a lot. Maybe maybe we'll have to do that once again um, in, in the fall. I hope not, but maybe we will. We learned a lot from that. But we have to get back to what makes us successful. And I just met with one of our new pharmacists. He hasn't even taken his board yet. He's a graduate intern, and he sort of asked me, you know, what can I do to be successful? I said, here's a few things, and, and we set these as goals for our pharmacists, but I just put them in simple language to him. I said, for every patient with diabetes, blood pressure, or cholesterol that walks into your pharmacy, roll out the red carpet. Give them as much TLC as you can. I also said we'd like to complete all of our MTM cases. Uh, And I also said, you know, be an active immunizer, as we just talked about. But back to those chronic disease state patients, we have to get back to something we started in 2011 medication synchronizations. And boy, have I learned a lot. I used to ask patients, would they be interested in signing up for a medication synchronization program? Most people didn't even know what that was. We've come a long way. Now we promote it to say, would you like us to get all your medications together so that you could pick up your medications at one time, save some trips, save some expenses, and talk to our pharmacist? So That's what I think we have to get back to. I think certainly pharmacists stepped up during this pandemic and did a huge job, as you said in your intro. But I think now we have to get back to the basics, probably that most people were doing. Focus on those chronic disease patients. Um, You know, you can call it so many different things now, but we try to focus on having one encounter a day uh, that we document. And you can document it again in your pharmacy software. You can document it in prescribed wellness. There's a many ways you can, you can document it. But we try to have our pharmacist have one new encounter per day. And many times that's, uh, 
you know, talking to a patient about medication synchronization. Maybe it's about an immunization. I talked to a patient last week about Coumadin and green leafy vegetables that they didn't know about that could that could interact with their medication. So, yes, Scott, we've had a lot to do. We've learned a lot, but we are definitely still full steam ahead on focusing on adherence, metrics, and the bottom line of our pharmacies. I love that. Um, and thank you for that enthusiastic uh, answer to, to the question there. I'm excited. You, just hearing you excited gets me excited. I don't even own a pharmacy. Um, but I'm excited about the network of pharmacies that we help support. And, and I do love what you said there, though, that I think is so important. One of, the, one of the many nuggets that I've pulled out of this interview today in this podcast is you talk about the way that you say something to a patient or to any consumer for that matter, because it's not about what you say, but how you say it. So when you're, you're talking about MedSync and, and trying to enroll patients and saying, you want to sign up for our MedSync program? And, and if, I'm, if I'm on the other end of the counter as a patient, I go, yeah, that sounds too, uh, that sounds like, am I, am I going to have to be here for another 10 minutes? Is there, you know, it's like when you have to sign up for a rewards card and they offer you 10% off at your local, uh, you know, merchant and you go, no, thank you. I just want to get my stuff and get out of here. I don't need a new credit card, uh, et cetera. So just the difference of explaining, you know, what if I told you that you could only come into the pharmacy once a month and all those benefits that you rolled through, isn't that something you'd want to be a part of? Let's get you, you know what? Let's get you enrolled in that. Um, so, and, and I think many pharmacies from everything I've heard still do struggle a little bit with that. And it's just a slight little tweak uh, that, you know, makes the difference in getting to uh, those goals as, as it would relate to med synchronization and, uh, you know, getting above and beyond the hundred patients enrolled that I think so many pharmacies still struggle to get through that glass ceiling to see the, the, the larger effects that it has on the business. Um, and on the overall workflow. So, all right. Well, Jonathan, we really appreciate having you on today and, and taking the time out of your very busy schedule and running all of your pharmacies and during this hectic time of COVID-19. Um, sincerely, sincerely appreciate your time and all of the really valuable uh, information that uh, you provided today uh, to all of our uh, pharmacy uh, owners out there that uh, take part in listening to this podcast month over month. So cannot say thanks enough. Uh, really hope that uh, you get some downtime here this uh, coming holiday, uh, 4th of July next weekend. Uh, but sincerely, thank you so much, Dr. Marquess, for your time. Well, Scott, thank you. And thank you and Gary for putting this together. I think it's great that we have venues like this. And I know that's what you do day in, day out, Scott, is to help pharmacists uh, get back to focusing our business and helping our businesses thrive. So I appreciate you opening up this technology and let us talk about a very important subject. Have a great holiday weekend. You as well, Dr. Marquis. Thank you again. Uh, that is all we have today for episode six of the Pharmacy Now podcast. Uh, so my thanks again to Gary, the best producer in the business, Mr. Gary Finer. We are out. We will see you on episode seven. <laughs>